I mentioned in episode 67 that our homes account for approximately 30% of our ecological impact. I have also mentioned that before that most of us can live on much less than what we do. And helping you to accomplish just that is the focus of this three-part series on the art of living small. Now there are unique challenges to living in a small space and I know this from personal experience. But there are also numerous ways to make the most of the space that you have and that is the focus of this episode. So stay tuned for tips and tricks for living in small spaces. Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and I want to start out this episode by saying that I've been at this podcast for well over a year now, and I've produced some episodes on quite a wide variety of topics. However, I want to say that if any of my listeners have a particular concern or a subject that you would like to hear me discuss, then you can contact me via email. And my email address that's associated with the podcast is adventuresinsustainableliving at gmail.com. Again, that is adventuresinsustainableliving at gmail.com. So just put something in the subject line that will get my attention so I don't think that it is spam mail. And you're welcome to contact me via email if there's something you would like for me to discuss. So okay, that said, let's get right to it. This is episode 73, which is called Tips and Tricks for Living in Small Spaces. You know, America has always been a place that is defined by bigness. From the size of our country to the size of our automobiles, the size of our waistlines, and the size of our homes. In the 1950s, the the average size of the American home was around 980 square feet. In 1970, it was about 1,500 square feet. And today, the average size of our homes is around 2,400 square feet, despite the fact that the average size of the family is actually going down. And all this extra space comes with added expense, of course, from the cost of construction to repairs and maintenance, insurance, and of course, all the added personal possessions that we are driven to fill it up with. And you know, I have admitted before that I am also guilty of falling into this trap of more is better, but I can tell you that during that time in my life, I lived only to work, was neck deep in debt, had very little personal time, and practically never 
took a vacation or a long weekend. And at this point in time in my life, the opposite is actually true. I downsized, I made improvements at the cabin, installed full solar capability, and I am now debt-free. And in many ways, that is the end result of living in a small place. So despite the challenges of living in a small place, a recent survey by Business Insider revealed that more than half of Americans stated they would consider living in a tiny home. And furthermore, of those that were not yet homeowners, 86% said they would consider purchasing a tiny home as their very first home. And furthermore, affordability, efficiency, eco-friendliness, and minimalism were mentioned in that order as the four most attractive factors that tiny home lifestyle has to offer. And 65% of, of those surveyed listed that the most enticing factor of all was affordability. And this is because the median price of a tiny home is somewhere between 30000 and 60000 while the median price of a traditional home is now up to almost $240,000. Now, the art of living small, as I like to say, or minimalism, or basic living, and now it is called tiny home living, you know, however you choose to look at it, it actually has a very long history. But the so-called tiny home movement has a much more recent history with the first writings of the benefits of such living appearing in the 1980s and it finally started to gain traction in the 1990s. And this is when construction companies started to get involved and people started to write blogs and books and appear on television. And this all helped, of course, to get the word out regarding the possibilities of living small. But a man named Jay Schaefer is, is actually largely credited with jump-starting the tiny house movement when he published his first article in 1999 about the merits of simple living. But it was not until 2014 to 2017 that some states started to actually change their rules and zoning to make it more favorable for tiny homes. And in 2016, the International Code Council announced that a specific tiny home index would be added to the 2018 International Residential Code. And in 2017, the state of Idaho actually became the first U.S. state to embrace the relaxed code regulations for tiny homes. So if this is something that you are considering, then at least things are starting to change in your favor. But as I did say before, there are some unique challenges to living in small spaces, which I have now done for the last 25 years. So what I'd like to do at this point is to, to simply give you some tips and tricks to help you manage living in such a small space. And one of my favorite things about living in such a small space is that the outdoors truly becomes an extension of my living space. And when I'm at the cabin and the weather is nice, all the doors are open. 
and when I'm away from home and living in the travel trailer, once it's literally above 40 degrees, I have the doors and all the windows open. But if your tiny home is stationary like my cabin is, then consider adding a deck to effectively increase your living space. And this is in fact one of the first things that I did once the inside of the new cabin was complete. And additionally, my big project for this year is to add on a sunroom which will give us another 200 square feet of living space. But first and foremost, if you truly want to downsize your existence, I would suggest that you completely declutter your life. And I know from personal experience that when you live in a small space, there is very little room for extra stuff. And a great start is to just get rid of all of those unused items. And if you're unsure about this, then I would suggest placing some things in a box, tape it closed, put it in storage, and after a few months, if you have not missed it or never thought to use it, then you really truly don't need it. And clothes are a great example because most of us only wear about 25% of the wardrobe that we have. But you know what? You can get started on this road of decluttering by taking what I call the 12-12-12 challenge. So find 12 items to get rid of, perhaps by recycling of course. Find 12 items to donate. And find another 12 items that can be put away in its proper place. But another quick and easy system that you can try is do the four box method. So get four boxes and label them trash, giveaway, keep, and put away. So the bottom line here is that if you're going to live small, you are going to have to learn to be a little bit of a neat nick. But believe it or not, it is our modern technology that actually contributes to helping us to accomplish that. Because one of the best parts of our age of technology is that most things in our lives now can actually be paperless. So digitizing your life can go a long way to helping you to downsize. So instead of constantly dealing with this giant pile of junk mail that sits on your desk or your kitchen counter or dining room table, then go completely paperless. Because access to all of the accounts that I use, I know, can, can be done online and I pay bills online and I never get bills in the mail anymore. And one other additional thing that you can do, so instead of buying a printed book, go with a digital version. Because I now have well over 200 books on my iPad, which I carry with me constantly. Now, one other tip, if you are considering, especially if you're considering building your own tiny home, or if you're going to contract someone to build a small home for you, then make sure that you have plenty of windows in order to maximize your natural light. This was a true disadvantage when I built the log cabin because I built, I just installed very small windows. But when I built the second cabin, I made the windows more than twice as large as the previous ones that I had. 
And this is truly helpful when the weather is bad for several days and you're trapped indoors. And in addition to natural lighting, make sure that you choose lighter colors when painting the inside if that's what you choose to do. And we of course we have lighter colored uh, wood siding inside the cabin so we don't use any paint but what this does is it gives your small space a much more open feeling and also the lighter colors tends to reflect natural light much better and will also help the place to feel much more open. And also using furniture that has exposed legs gives you additional space that you can utilize. So for example, our laundry basket sits right underneath our table and I have a small shelf underneath my desk that sits in the corner and that's used for additional storage. And when the dog bed's not in use, it simply gets push, pushed underneath the futon couch. And another area of potential usefulness that often gets overlooked is taking advantage of your vertical space and taking advantage of corners and low ceilings. So for example, I made our cabinets in our kitchen area extra tall for additional storage. And I also made the counters in the kitchen area much deeper than normal so that we would have extra space there as well. But you can also take advantage of your corners by hanging things from the ceiling or putting in extra cabinets or shelves. And you know, both sides of our sleeping loft, for example, has very low ceilings that are too low to utilize for much of anything. So I got a little creative and I built some small cabinets that are used for clothes storage. And another thing you can do, instead of placing a table in the middle of the room, then push it into the corner. And this is what we do in the corner of the table that is next to the wall has a nice little collection of plants. And also, speaking of the kitchen, area if you're like me and you enjoy cooking then you may have a large collection of kitchen gadgets but you know do you really need a rice cooker a slow cooker a pressure cooker and an air fryer because most likely not you know and since our place is run completely off of solar energy I would never consider using a slow cooker that stays on for 12 hours is instead I simply use a pressure cooker that cooks most things in less than 30 minutes. And that pressure cooker can also be used to cook beans and rice and vegetables and can even be used as a small canner. So I have this one piece of kitchen equipment with multiple functions and additionally we do not even have a microwave at the cabin because it uses too much energy and we would not have a place to put it but however the travel trailer does have a nice built-in microwave that's actually very easy and convenient to use and it just stays out of the way so one other tip that i have used rather extensively at the cabin is to simply take advantage of additional storage because i have a shed where i keep all my tools and I have a woodshed where I store firewood. And when I'm living in the travel trailer, I have three storage boxes that fits underneath the trailer. And this really helps me to take advantage of buying food in bulk from a warehouse type of store. And of course, if you're living in a small space, 
You know, this probably goes without saying, but you have to keep things tidy and put away. Because two or three things laying around quickly turns the place into a tornado zone. So you just have to remember when you pull something out to use it, then you have to clean it, organize it, and put it away. So another really easy tip is to be careful about the furniture that you choose. For example, having furniture with multiple function is, is fantastic. And this can easily be done by using a trunk as a coffee table that is also used for storage. Having a kitchen island that doubles as a dining table. Or sleeper sofas and fold-out desks are also highly functional options. And again, back to the kitchen area, you know, if you're an avid cook, you know, it, it may be hard to find space for all of your kitchen gadgets, but you can also get creative by using tilt-out garbage cans or over-the-door storage racks or drawer dividers, or even put small storage shelves in the backsplash area. So there are two things that I did at the cabin in our kitchen area that really helped to maximize our space because the area, we have a window that is just above the sink area. And the space between the top of the window and the ceiling was too small to really install a cabinet. So I just simply installed a shelf and that's used for additional food storage. And also the shower stall butts up against one end of the kitchen counter. And because of the way the shower stall was shaped, when I framed it in, it left a small little open pocket. So instead of framing over that and closing it in, I built in a recessed shelving unit and put a door on it. And now it's used as a little spice rack. And one last little tip here, folks. You know, I had mentioned before about using a sleeper sofa, but Another idea, especially if you have children, is of course to use bunk beds and foldable cots for sleeping. And we actually use folding camping cots a lot when we have guests that come up to the cabin and stay overnight. And it really works out quite well for us because we can fold them up and put them back in the shed. So now to just kind of summarize things a little bit. Over the last three episodes, I have covered the pros and cons of living small, the things that no one tells you about living small, and now this episode has covered tips and tricks for living in a small space. So the bottom line is that this really truly is a lifestyle choice, which has advantages and disadvantages just like anything else that we choose to do. But I have to admit though that I do find it somewhat amusing that I was living in a 100 square foot cabin long before the tiny home movement became popular. But after living in a small cabin for most of the last 25 years, I do have to admit that the art of living small and dramatically downsizing my life is what got me completely out of debt and is the very reason I now have a tremendous amount of personal freedom. I distinctly remember years ago when I was still living in a log cabin, I had some friends that would come up regularly and 
These friends of mine lived in this huge home. They had two kids, new vehicles, and their family income was three to four times greater than what I was earning at the time. And yet they lived paycheck to paycheck and wondered how it was that I was able to take as much time off as I did and travel like I did. So again, the top four reasons in descending order that people choose to live in a smaller home is affordability, efficiency, eco-friendliness, and minimalism. Again, I want to emphasize that the very reason I have as much personal freedom as I do is that I live a very minimalistic, debt-free lifestyle. And did you know that 56% of Americans have $5,000 or less in their savings account and one-third of us have less than $1,000? Personally, I think this is the direct result of our consumer culture and how we are convinced that more is better. And furthermore, we are so strongly influenced by advertising and convinced that we need big vehicles and big homes full of lots of stuff, while nothing truly could be further from the truth. And as it turns out, living on less is not only good for your bank account, it is also good for the environment. Because you're utilizing fewer resources, you're producing less waste, you're spending less, and you will also end up with more time to spend doing the things that you love. So if you're truly serious about reducing your environmental impact, then consider the art of living small. But in the end, I think what most people don't realize is that voluntary simplicity is truly nothing new. It has been in fact practiced and encouraged for thousands of years, and it is only our highly pressurized consumer culture that convinces us that we need things that do not actually bring added value to our lives. So, okay folks, to just kind of start wrapping up this episode, I'd like to remind you that if you enjoy the content that I've been producing, then please take the time to leave me with a review because I'd greatly appreciate that. And you can also subscribe to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast, as well as my companion blog, Off-Grid Living News. And also, once again, if you have questions or comments or concerns, or if there is a particular topic you would really like for me to discuss and produce an episode on, then you can contact me through my email that's associated with the podcast, and that is adventures in sustainable living at gmail.com and again that is adventures in sustainable living at gmail.com so to end this episode i want to leave you with a couple of things to think about there are two ways to be rich one is by acquiring much and the other is by desiring little. Jackie French Kohler said that in 1948. 
The secret of happiness, you see, is not found in seeking more, but in developing the capacity to enjoy less. And Socrates said that in 469 BCE. This is your host, Patrick, signing off until next week. Always remember to live sustainably because this is how we build a better future.